Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. That's just fun. Wow, Nico Horner continues red hot, and that is gone. He was hitting 833, 5 for 6 coming in, another rocket. This one leaves the park in left center, and the Cubs on top 2-0. Stay hot, Nico. Nico Suave, my goodness. Stay hot, Nico. Nico Suave, gotta love it. Welcome back to 670 The Score. You've got Hub Arkish, Arthur Arkish, on a Sunday afternoon. We are talking all kinds of Chicago sports. We spent the better part of the first two hours talking Bears. Now it's time to switch gears. The Cubs are about to be out on the diamond if they're not already. And it is our pleasure to welcome in Maddie Lee with NBC Chicago uh, to to break down uh, the local team and, and see what's going on. Maddie, thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, yeah, the pleasure is ours, and uh, I think that Hub and I would have loved to just dive right in with that Nico Horner hype train and talk a little bit about Jake Arrieta uh, officially making his return today to the Cubs, but uh, I think we've got some other stuff we got to get out of the way here first. Uh, news breaking recently that Pedro Strope has been uh, asked to leave the team for a, a COVID protocol violation, uh, an unfortunate setback. What can you tell us about Stropey and, and where this situation stands, Maddie? Yeah, this is one of the you know few instances for the Cubs where they've had some you know unfortunate COVID nineteen news. They did such a good job last year of making sure that no players ended up testing positive. Of course, that's not completely under your control, but what you can do is really diligently follow these protocols. And so Strope is away from the team right now because he was in violation of protocols. Seems like, you know, it's just such a little thing can put you in violation of protocols when guys out there are under very strict regulations. Because unlike you and me, they're all working so closely together day to day. They've got to have stricter protocols than we do as as we're working from home and such and more distance. So we don't know when he will be back. He obviously has to clear some health and safety measures before he does come back. But um, we'll see that's all in the works right now. And it looks like the way that it popped up was he was posted in a social media post with a player from Cleveland those guys were dining inside. Not entirely clear how how much um, exposure Strope had, exactly how much time they were inside, all of that. But um, you know, something as little as that can, in a pandemic like this, can be serious. And it sounds no, like that player from Cleveland uh, wasn't, uh, this isn't his first COVID violation, uh, if I'm understanding correctly. Let me just ask you real quick, Maddie. Sorry, Hub. Um, are the Cubs 
confident that they were able to isolate Pedro quickly enough. I, I don't know all the specifics of how this protocol works, but is there concern uh, that he potentially exposed his his teammates, or, or that's not at the that's not at the top of the concerns list right now? They have not expressed any concern in that matter. The, it's kind of all in MLB's hands now, right, in terms of when he comes back and they have started contact tracing. So that will pop up any concerns that they might have. But so far we have not heard of any concerns in terms of spread. It's disappointing because Strope is one of my favorites and really hopeful that he can turn this minor league contract into a comeback. Uh, and, and it sounds like it was not some kind of blatant bad behavior so much as uh, a potentially innocent mistake. Different people have different attitudes towards this, but you got to follow the rules. I, I am curious with this Cubs team. I mean, there is so much of the unknown and, and, and so much different now with the, with the Jed regime, if you will. Uh, I'm trying to get my arms around the biggest story of spring training. And for some reason, I keep getting stuck on the question, is Nico Horner still hitting 900? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> he has been fantastic. He clearly wants that job, right? He's, And I think if he keeps this up, obviously he doesn't have to hit 900 for the entire spring training. But if he keeps showing that he has made those strides in terms of being able to really flash on the offensive side, we already know he's a great defender that's a really, really strong case, even as such a young player that he's making to potentially be an everyday starter. And Maddie, obviously flashes is an interesting word. You know, we've seen Nico, you mentioned he's really young. He was called up for service a, a few years back, uh, kind of out of necessity and has provided some excitement uh, in, in flashes and in spurts. Um, does it feel different this time? My understanding is that he's been a little bit more uh, I don't want to say a little bit more committed, but that he just looks outstanding off the hoof, that his body is in the best place it's been in. Uh, what do you attribute his early success to, and do you think it it appears as their evidence building that maybe it does have staying power? I do think that it has staying power. We'll see exactly how consistent he can be once you know we get into more of a competitive setting. Not that spring training isn't competitive, but we all know <laughs> that everyone's working on stuff, especially this early on. But Nico, as you mentioned, guys say that he looks incredible looks like he may have put on some muscle in the off season and he's changed his batting stance right so he's opened it up a little which has allowed him to really kind of stay in the zone longer with that bat giving him a little more flexibility as opposed to closing off his hips and you've seen him spray balls all over the field right I think he pulled that home run but you've also seen some sharp line drives up the right field side. So definitely some substantial changes that I think could really continue to pay dividends even past spring training. Maddie, the Jake Arrieta story is another fascinating one to me. And I'm curious in your conversations with, with Jed, with Rossi, with whoever, um, is there a sense that, that the injuries were the problem in Philadelphia and that maybe he, he's not going to be Cy Young Jake Arrieta? I mean, that'd be wonderful if he was, but that's just not likely. Um, but is your sense that their hope is that he can be 90 or 95% of that, or are they bringing back a, a veteran guy to be an innings eater and, and, and hopefully be the you know third or fourth piece in that rotation? Yeah, David Ross has been very clear with us. He's not going to cap 
any expectations, right? Like he he says, sure, if Jake can be, you know, some semblance of that Cy Young form, I don't think any of us are expecting him to look, you know, 2015 good. But they do see between the injuries, which obviously hobbled him, they also led to potentially some mechanical changes, and they've identified some things that he got away from since he left the Cubs and are very confident that if they tweak those and get him back into kind of the same mechanics as he had when he was here, that he can really have a big bounce back. And I know all Cubs fans are really rooting for that. Well, Maddie, I'm the ultimate meatball Cubs fan, and I'll be the first to admit I'm 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 sort of struggling to compartmentalize my previous sentiment for Arietta and just what are reasonable expectations moving forward. I'm sure I'm not alone on that, but it, it appears to me from a distance that the 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 way this roster is constructed, that the wild card, if you will, is probably the starting rotation. That's where a lot of the questions are at. And I don't think they really pertained to Arietta as much as some of these other guys. I mean, I feel like you've got Kyle and you've got Arietta, and then after that, uh, you've got questions. What are you seeing as far as, I know it's so early, but I guess maybe more so than what you're seeing, just kind of your thoughts on the, the dynamic of how this rotation uh, is built and, and, and maybe what are reasonable expectations for it as a whole? Yeah, I think you're spot on. I would also lump in Zach Davies and that group of guys that were sure are going to be in the rotation. And then that leaves two spots, right, where you have guys like Alec Mills and, you know, the no-hitter that he threw last year, but he hasn't had that full season of experience. Um, same with Adbert Alzali, another guy. Really exciting, brings something completely different to the pitching staff than any of these other command control guys, but he's so young. And yet again, it's about how many innings can he reasonably throw this season you know after both coming off of a shortened last season but then also never playing a full MLB season um you have Trevor Williams who's another kind of project guy who the Cubs are excited about a couple tweaks that they're making and the potential that they could get there so you've got some great options battling for that those last two spots you know, obviously, you're not going to be the same rotation when you when you trade you Darvish, but I do think that they've plugged in some really solid pieces, if not flashy pieces, right? But it'll all be about can they prove that a, a rotation full of command control guys can be successful? They do have a really good defense behind them, which will help. And you've got individual guys like Kyle Hendricks, like Zach Davies, who have gone against the grain in this time when we're all so excited about triple digits and such and have proven that you can have success with a different skill set. So be interesting moving forward. So, Maddie, I, I hate to do it, but I'm going to have to put you on the spot with the elephant in the room. I, I think we all know that no fans in the history of professional sports in America are more patient than Chicago Cubs fans, more willing to buy the Cinderella story, more willing to believe everything's going to be good. I've always been stunned that damn Yankees wasn't about the Chicago Cubs rather than the Washington Senators. But at the end of the day, no matter what happens with what they're trying to do right now, 
It's not realistic to think that they're going to re-sign Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, and Chris Bryant, all of whom are free agents at the end of the season. It just, I mean, it, it's not that they can't. It's just that it's it's not obviously likely or where they're headed. Mm-hmm. So what is the plan? <laughs> the plan right now is to talk to all of those guys, right? Jed Hoyer is going to have conversations with all of them. He said spring's a great time for those sorts of extension talks and other than that it's hard to say anything really concrete right Um, they've been very open about the fact that they can't keep this group together forever but which pieces will stay that's not entirely clear you know we can all make educated guesses and all say oh you know Javi Baez seems like a great guy to to target and really put high on your list. And he's also the one who has said that he wants to have some sort of deadline in mind with those extension talks, just because he doesn't want those, all of that to bleed into the season, but he didn't give a specific deadline. So we can guess, we can put educated guesses on it, but it's all going to come down to what those talks look like, what those guys agents, end up working out for them and kind of what they see as potential alternatives on a free agent market. I know Javi Baez and Anthony Rizzo have both been very clear about wanting to remain Cubs and how much they love this city, but that's not a promise, right? There's two sides. There's plenty of negotiations to still be worked out. So that's that's as much clarity as I can give you for now. We're chatting for a couple more minutes with Maddie Lee of NBC Sports Chicago. And um, I can't remember, Maddie, if it was you or your colleague uh, in recent days who had a piece on the, well, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially that the Cubs have been finding a little bit more change under the couch cushions and, and maybe uh, <laughs> the increasingly optimistic view of fans returning uh, in, in some percentage to, to the ballpark this spring uh, can maybe lead to a little bit more uh, change under the couch cushions coming around the trade deadline if the Cubs can uh, kind of do their part and put you know Jed in position to have to make those decisions. Um, is, if I'm understanding correctly, that's kind of initially how Jack Peterson came on board. There was uh, sort of a redone budget there, and he was sort of a second wave signing. Um, do I have that right, and, and, and do you think that that is – realistic that the Cubs could turn into buyers after we've all been doom and gloom wondering just who's going to get traded and when in recent months. Yeah. So they started out as Dead Hoyer put it with kind of a budget range and started on the lower half of that range. And as we got closer to the season, as you know, more things became clear business side, got bet some more good news. Then they moved kind of into that higher end of the range in time to Signed Jock Peterson. And yet, I think with the vaccine rollout going well and with fans in the stands, at least for a chunk of the year, at least, you know, partial attendance likely this season, I, the Cubs can be buyers at the deadline. It all comes down to how the team's performing, right? If they just look awful, there's no reason to spend that extra money when you know that you have to make big changes. But they're in a division that's very winnable. And if they get that influx of cash that 
they're expecting from actually being able to bring fans into the stands. And they already have fans in the stands at spring training, which I know a lot of the guys have raved about. Then, then yes, they can't. If they are in the position to be buyers at the deadline in terms of what they're doing on the field, they seem to be positioned to do that as well um, on the business side. Maddie, another huge question about this team's ability to compete this year that I'm surprised we're not hearing more conversation about. Should Cubs fans expect Hall of Fame Craig Kimbrell or can't get an out to save his life Craig Kimbrell? <laughs> really good question. Um, so far, his his last appearance was not great. Of course, David Ross talked him up, and you never know this early in spring, right? Guys are still working things out. I do think that the changes that he made mechanically last year were real, and I do expect those to translate into this season. And the Cubs have already said he's our closer moving forward. So I think somewhere in between, uh, I would not expect what happened at the beginning of last season with him walking everyone or letting them tee off on him, right, every pitch for those first couple outings. But I don't. I also don't want to promise that he's going to be the best he's ever been. Even though he looked so good at the end of last season, he's got to sustain that through a season. And he's shown us, obviously, he's a potential Hall of Fame candidate. He's shown us that he can do that in the past. It's just making sure that these mechanical tweaks stick. And just following up on that, Maddie, quickly, and we'll let you out of here. We really do appreciate your time today. Um, obviously, volatile, I think, is a, probably a decent way to put it in light of what we've seen as, with Craig Kimbrell as a Cub. And, and as you just said, the fact that they're going to ride with him for now as a closer. What do you think about the insurance there in the bullpen? Uh, there are questions elsewhere. Do you, do you feel comfortable with fallback plans and just kind of the way that that uh, that the bullpen can come together and, and frankly just have the arms it needs to be uh, be productive and be consistent. Yeah, they have done some work recently, adding a few more bullpen arms. Of course, we know that Rowan Wick is still dealing with an intercostal injury that has gone on longer than I think they expected originally. But they've got a guy like Brandon Workman who can eat up some of those high leverage innings uh, they brought back to para, right? So they've got some veteran guys in there. But the way I look at it is it's kind of, we're kind of in the same position as they were at the beginning of last season, or I guess last spring, where mm-hmm. not a lot of big name guys in that bullpen, but, you know, enough guys with some experience. And they looked real bad to start the season last year. But by September, they were one of the best bullpens in the National League. So do I expect them to blow everyone away? No, but I think they should be good enough, you know, good enough to supplement this starting rotation. There will be a little more pressure on them because of the stuff that we've talked about with the starters. But I think that they've done enough to plug those holes. All right. Well, it will certainly be interesting. I know that uh, it's that time of the year where everyone is hopeful, everyone is excited, the weather's changing, and baseball is back. So we truly hope that you enjoy getting the season off to a good start on the beat, and uh, we really do appreciate your time again, Maddie. Uh, we'll, We'll look forward to talking to you again down the road. Yeah, thanks so much. Great chatting with you guys.
That is Maddie Lee of NBC Sports Chicago breaking down the Cubs. Um, I'm a newbie who doesn't drive the ship often. I'm guessing we have to get to a break, but I haven't heard from Sean yet, Hub, so maybe we're still okay here. No, uh, I think it's time to take a break. <laughs> well, it's got to trust the instinct, I guess. We'll see if I can avoid cutting off the bumper music when we return. Thanks for being with us, guys. We've got lots more uh, Chicago sports talk. We'll get back to the Bears. we got Rick Camp on the Bulls, uh, and we hope to take your phone call. So uh, we'll be right back with you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Got 670 The Score, 670thescore.com. Arkish and Arkish, he is Hub, I am Arthur. We're with you for about another 90 minutes or so. We've been trying to spray to most of the fields. I guess we've talked mostly Bears and Cubs to date. Just wrapped up with Maddie Lee. We've had a couple great Bears guests, and we've been trying to uh, uh, fill in the gaps with whatever insight we can. Uh, I, I, I let Hub do a lot of the talking, but we've decided to let me drive the ship for an hour or so here. So... Uh, hopefully you can uh, put up with a little bit more of my voice, but not too much. Um, uh, Hub, should we get back to the Bears discussion? Did you want to talk a little Arnold Palmer Invitational, uh, Cubs Spring Training? We got the All-Star Game coming up. We can go in any direction we choose. That's what's lovely about this uh, this opportunity. Yeah, almost any direction. Um, Arnold Palmer Invitational just uh, extended my knowledge of the Arnold Palmer Invitational. So, so that one I'm going to struggle. I'm obsessed. <laughs> I, have, I have become obsessed recently with uh, golf. I'm guessing 
Uh, it might have a little something to do with the fact I can now make some fun wagers on it. But um, uh, it's been a lot of fun getting into the PGA Tour this year. We won't discuss it too much. I'll just tell you that Bryson uh, has the lead at 11 under. He's on the seventh hole. I'm sure you all saw what Bryson did yesterday, driving over the water. Uh, it's a it's a star-studded leaderboard, so it should be a, a fun Sunday afternoon watching how this one shakes out. Uh, I'm rooting for Jordan Spieth, and all right, so, that's that. So here's so here's pretty much everything I know about it. Uh, Bryson's last name is DeChambeau, uh, and that's yeah. that's about as far as I can go. <laughs> so, and, and he's generally, I guess, more interested in just seeing how far he can hit the ball rather than how accurate he can be. But uh, he's playing great this weekend, and obviously is uh, not only in the mix but leading here. So. Um, yeah, I, you know me, Hub. I, I, I can count on one hand the rounds of golf I've played in my life. Uh, I don't have the patience for it. I don't have the skill for it. Uh, but like I said, recently uh, watching it has, has certainly piqued my interest. So that uh, golf I'm guessing... A, sorry. I was just going to say, it's a funny thing, and, and I guess it's a family thing with us, because I was 28 years old the first time I ever picked up a golf club or stepped on a golf course. Uh, my dad didn't play. Uh, we played team sports throughout our childhood. I played football, basketball, and baseball in high school, tried to play a little football in college, wasn't good enough, so got into this side of the business. Um, but I, I was a fairly competitive athlete, and so when I first stepped on a golf course and sucked worse than anybody could possibly suck, I said, all right, I think I've had enough of this. Uh, and the second time I stepped on a golf course was 15 years later. And as a result, Arthur uh, had the same experience that I did. I never took him out. I don't know, you know if he played with any of his buddies. All of my friends are fanatic golfers and love it. And I actually, my, uh, I have a charity foundation, Children's Brittle Bone Foundation. When I say I have it, I'm one of the three founders of the group. We started about 30 years ago. Uh, we work very hard um, to find treatments and cure and quality of life answers for families that deal with osteogenesis imperfecta. Um, CBBF, cbbf.org for anybody who'd like to look us up and learn more. It's a really important cause. But the only reason I mention it is that we have one of the more successful charity golf outings in the Chicagoland area every year. We, we, we are able to raise a lot of money for our cause. And so, and I've been one of the guys who's led the way. And so people assume, oh, he's Mr. Golf. I, I don't know, squat about golf. I don't play. Um, uh, the other frustration, Arthur, that you just mentioned, if I'm going to spend four and a half or five hours at something, I either want to make money or get a good workout, and golf does neither for me. So that's kind of the extent of my, my golfing commitment. Yeah, it's. Uh, I have the utmost respect for the guys who are really good at it. I also have a lot of friends who play a lot, and I'm not ruling out the possibility I'll get into it at some point in life, but just not there yet. So uh, anyway, it looks like we do have some callers. And while I'm sure the listeners would like to hear us uh, talk, <laughs> share our very limited knowledge about golf, let's uh, probably turn the conversation back to the Bears with Mike in Rockford. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Hey, good afternoon, guys. Hub, I'm a regular caller, as you know. Uh, I'm going to uh, just uh, discuss my disgust with the Bears organization as a whole, because I will tell you this, you know, the rumors here with Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson, you know, that this, this rumors, it's not going to happen. And it's a, you know, it's a fantasy world. If people think that it could possibly happen, but you know, let's, let's not look past what Jerry Angelo did uh, with the Bears when they went and acquired Jay Cutler. And again, anytime you're not an organization like the Packers or the Steelers or teams that have had great success at 
you know, building teams through the draft and building their, their talent from within the organization, okay, and into a system that's already established, they're groomed into the system, rather than finding some guy in free agency or finding a guy through a trade where you have to give up multiple draft picks, and then you're just, you know, Jay Cutler, I, the reason I go back, I'm not comparing Jay Cutler to these guys, don't, don't think that for a minute, but if you look at what the Bears do because of their inadequacy to draft talent, they are always trying to fix the problem that they have created. And they, when, when, they, when they got Cutler, they had to give so much up to get him. They had troubles on the offensive line then. They didn't, they didn't have the right pieces. They, the guy went, you know, Cutler, I, I believe Jay Cutler had problems, but I think the Bears single-handedly ruined him. Let me just say this real quick, and I'll let you guys respond. I think they ruined him in the fact that if he would have went to an organization that had more of a surrounding cast around him, he would have flourished. Look at all the offensive coordinators and head coaches the guy went through. Okay, and then and you know and then you look at what they do now with they get they go and they get they sign Mike Glennon to that one year. Okay, and I heard what you know Ryan Pace said about Glennon. Oh, he's got these great attributes. He's got what we're looking for in a quarterback. Then they go and they trade up to get Trubisky, and now here we are four years later, and we're in this giant mess. And we're going to actually the Bears are going to actually put. Ryan Pace back in the position to fix the problem he created. Uh, talk me off the ledge because this makes no sense. And- well, thank you for the call, Mike. We appreciate it. And I think there are uh, some valid points in there. I, I know that uh, your disgust is shared by a, a good portion um, of the Bears fan base. And look, as far as talking you off the ledge goes, I mean, I, I'm curious what Hub's approach would be here, but uh, I I'm not sure I really can because I didn't know that uh, I'm not totally sure that Ryan Pace made the most compelling argument down the stretch. Now we've talked through it on the show today. And I think there are some valid points about maintaining continuity in the personnel department. We did talk about that. We talked about the fact Pace is actually coming off what appears to be one of his stronger drafts, but I think Mike hit it on the head. If you're, if you're handing the keys to Ryan again in the coming weeks to try and solve this decade old, this perpetual uh, riddle, the, the, the toughest riddle for the Bears organization, then uh, it almost feels like, you know, if we haven't learned from history, then it's uh, doomed to repeat itself. But I don't know how what you think. Well, it's interesting because I'm listening to Mike's call. And as he said, he, he is a regular caller, at least when I'm on. And I assume when other folks are on too. And Mike's a good guy. And he says he's a great Bears fan. But 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 when you listen to his calls, it, it, it's almost always about what's wrong with the Bears. And, and, and when he says Ryan Pace created this situation, no, he didn't. I mean, we, we've been talking about it. you got to go back to 1953 to find out the last time the Bears had a franchise quarterback. Ryan Pace did not create this situation. It's been a struggle forever. There are at least a dozen, dozen and a half other teams in the exact same situation. It's really hard to find a franchise quarterback. You know, and, and even the best have struggled at it. You know, and so... That in itself does not make him an incompetent free agent uh, or, or, or uh, incompetent general manager or, or incompetent to, 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 to find a quarterback. Now, all of that said, uh, to your point, Mike, uh, this is why I keep arguing, stop focusing on it. Stop making this the year where no matter what else happens, you get the franchise quarterback. This is where we started the show. 
The Bears are not in a position right now to both contend this year and add a franchise quarterback. It appears that it's possible they could do one or the other, but they got to pick a lane. And, 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 and you know, listen, if, if, if you're getting a Russell Wilson or a Deshaun Watson, at least you know you've got that guy, but then you got to eat the pain that comes with the cost of acquiring them, and you're going to be bad for a few years. If you're not going to spend all your assets there, you are closer than some people give them credit for. You do have the 2018 Coach of the Year and and Executive of the Year. You do have a defense capable of being a top-five defense. Um, And and so you go about it that way, and you try and be one of the half-dozen to eight teams that have won Super Bowls with journeyman quarterbacks as opposed to saying that we got to get the quarterback this year. They, They just can't do both. That's the problem. It's not that Ryan Pace can't survive this and can't still prove that he's good at his job. It's not that he's not good at his job and he's going to get fired at the end of the year. It's that people are asking for miracles here, Arthur. There just aren't enough assets to do both, to get the franchise quarterback and contend in the next couple of years with the rest of the roster that you have. Yeah, so I guess what we have to look at or what we have to, de- not what we're deciding, but obviously what Ryan and Matt must decide and they need to use history as kind of their, uh, you know, their measuring stick here is how many teams are successful uh, relying on the franchise guy who is the multiplier and covers up the other roster uh, shortcomings versus, like you said, the very limited sample size, probably even more limited uh, of teams that have been able to achieve their ultimate goal with just a guy at the position, just a bridge guy, just a a game manager, if you will, for, for lack of a better term. So, Um, And I just think it's such a more nuanced conversation here because as we keep getting back to uh, the six, seven, eight decades, whatever it's been, six decades, I guess, uh, of futility at the position in a fan base that is just absolutely starved for a chance and that probably feels like it has enough evidence to suggest that the chance or its best chance maybe comes with that former scenario that I laid out where at least if you have the quarterback, you like your odds better than if you have a roster that, again, uh, the defense is in decline. I, I don't know how that's a debatable point. I'm not sure I agree that it can even still be a top five unit, maybe top five, top eight, top ten. Um, but it's probably better to good or very good at this point than great. So uh, I don't know what the answer is. Again, that's uh, to borrow well, Pat's but, term at the top of the show. That's why. Yeah, we're but not Arthur, here, here's the folks. question, buddy. I mean, I mean listen, we got to have a starting point. And so when you say maybe your odds are better if you have the franchise quarterback. Again, I'm, I've been trying to ask this question to all of our guests and you all day. Your odds of what are better if you have the franchise quarterback? Your odds of eventually winning a Super of Bowl? Maximizing or your odds of contending right now? Roster as it exists. Yeah, no, contending right now. Yeah, I don't so see Maximizing any... a 30-year-old a, a Akeem Hicks and a soon-to-be 30 Khalil Mack, a 30-year-old Kyle Fuller. Uh, and whatever, you know, the, the O-line that also at this point is, you figure there's going to be a couple guys who are starting to get a little, well, no, maybe not on the O-line, but the point remains. To maximize but, what you have at your disposal to build around. But, all right, but but if you spend what it takes to get that franchise quarterback now, dealing with having no high draft picks left, salary cap issues, and having to get rid of other significant contributors I don't see how anybody thinks that the Bears are going to contend for a Super Bowl in 2021 
with Russell right. Wilson or Deshaun Watson at quarterback. I just don't see it. Yeah, and, and it makes sense. I mean, I guess the other part I'm having a hard time reconciling is uh, a GM who seemingly is going to be acting out of a bit of desperation here. And then we had some sound a, a few segments ago coming in about uh, Ryan, I presumably Tuesday, talking about how you always have to have that uh, you know future vision too and, and be looking ahead. And I just have a hard time reconciling why he's worried about the franchise's future if there's a chance that this is, you know, this is the defense he built. This is potentially his last shot. Why is he worried about the other, the other assets? You know, I, I, it doesn't suit. It doesn't serve him best. Well, but we, we got to be fair to these guys. He's worried about it because he's not planning on getting fired. And, and, and if he was planning on getting fired, then I'd be furious that he wasn't already fired. You know, So a, a huge part of his job, as long as he has the job, is worrying about the future as much as worrying about this year. That's the only way you can do the job correctly. And, and, and this is what we've talked ourselves into. Media, Bears fans, you know, even some people around the league, that, that, that it's, it's either or. Either the Bears work miracles and, and go deep in the playoffs this year, or Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are getting fired. A, that's not necessarily true. It may be true. But then you get to the next question is, okay, well, then how do you avoid getting fired? How do you make that happen? You don't give away everything and create salary cap hell on, on the off chance that you're going to be the one of the 32 teams that wins a Super Bowl this year. So I just don't agree with this premise that, that, that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are going to do their jobs differently this year than they would in any other year because it's perceived that there's more pressure on them. All right, I'll tell you what, Hub. Let's bring uh, Bill from Elk Grove into the conversation and see what he thinks, either about this premise or he may want to go in a different direction altogether. Hey, Bill, thanks for joining the program. What can we do for you? Hi, gentlemen. Uh, just uh, watching uh, the Blackhawks. Uh, beat up on Tampa Bay a little bit, but uh, I do have a question, Hub, about uh, a quarterback that I've been keeping an eye on, mainly on, on YouTube, and I did see him uh, last year, uh, knowing that the uh, the asking price for Watson or uh, the, the Russell is just going to be way too much. Uh, what do you think about uh, Jamie Newman from Wake Forest? Have you seen him, and do you, do you think he'll be there? Because it looks like he's about the number six-rated quarterback. You know, Bill, it's a, it's a good name because we haven't talked about it much, and it's very interesting. I don't know that he's sixth-rated. He's in the top ten. But, but I would answer you by going back six months prior to the last college football season when coming in, the only two guys that everybody was talking about were, were, were well, I'd say the only three guys that everybody was talking about were Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. And nobody was sure what to make of Trey Lance. Then you took Zach Wilson. Um, you took, actually, I don't even know if Mac Jones was there yet, but let's put Mac Jones in that group. You took Kyle Trask from Florida. You took Jamie Newman from Georgia. Um, uh, and then you got Kellen Mond. Uh, there's a couple other guys I'm forgetting. And they were all kind of in a pot. And nobody knew what was, what was going to happen after last season. Well, they all had different seasons last year because of the number of games they were able to play and, and, and the quality of competition. Um, but Newman is another guy. He, Arthur, he's probably, in terms of some of the unknowns, similar to Mac Jones in that you know we knew who they were and that they were going to have a chance to, to, to climb draft boards last year. And um, Newman had 
a kind of a meh type season. You know, I mean, he he didn't fall, but he didn't do anything to climb up the draft boards. And and so right now he could be an end of day two pick. You know, I, I think you could be talking about mid to, to end of the third round, but it's more likely he could be one of the first 10 guys off the board on day three, uh, unless you're hearing something differently. I just want to see how many times we can get you to say meh before the show is over. That might have been the first I've ever heard. Uh, I don't know a ton about Jamie Newman. Can, can he move, Hub? Is he, a, is he a statue or can he move back there? He's not a statue. He's not an athlete. He, he's, he's a pocket passer, uh, you know, and, and yeah, he has some mobility. He has some athletic ability. He, he, he's a really nice prospect, uh, you know, coming from a really good program who, who some folks thought could emerge last year the same way Mac Jones did, and he didn't. And by the way, that's probably uh, the first time I've ever said meh. Yeah. Um, there's a, there, uh, a NFL insider in Denver, and I, I can't remember the station now, unfortunately, but uh, he's a good dude, and uh, and he knows a lot about quarterbacks. His name's Benjamin Albright. He's probably been on this station. I'm sure he has. Uh, but I, I seem to recall him saying that he thinks of like the day two prospects that Newman might have the chance to carve out a long career in the NFL. So for whatever that's worth, I haven't gotten into a ton of tape study just yet. I hope to over the next, whatever we got left here, five, six, no, still about what, six to eight weeks. So um, we'll look forward to digging into all these guys a lot more. Um, But Hey, our, our last caller, two callers ago had mentioned that Ryan Pace created this issue that the bears find themselves in. I think compound is a better word. Uh, look at the drafts, look at the picks chosen, you know, spent on a quarterback. Obviously it's Mitch and Mitch alone. So I guess I'm just using that segue as a chance. If they're not going all in, in the first round, uh, they got to get a quarterback that they can be developing behind the scenes. Whose name isn't Tyler Bray. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nothing I mean, against it, Tyler Bray. Yeah. Probably well, an actual just... developmental prospect yeah, and, right. and, and, and folks who've been listening, um, you know, they must know. This is what I think is going to happen. I, I, I just I don't see the big swing uh, for uh, a free agent. Um, I don't see trading up as a good idea. And I think you get a developmental guy like a Kyle Trask, like a Jamie Newman, like a Kellen Mond. I, I think that's what you do, which does not you know prohibit taking the big swing next year when hopefully maybe you're in a better position to do it. All right. Well, we're curious to get your guys' thoughts on this as well. We've still got another hour left. We'll be switching uh, gears to the Bulls when we come uh, back from the break for a few with Rick Camp. Uh, But still lots of discussion left with Hub and Arthur on 670 The Score. We'll be back with you in a moment. Welcome back to 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. We're so thrilled that you have decided to spend a few hours of your Sunday with us breaking down Chicago sports. We've had a ton of Bears discussion. Uh, Also talk some Cubs and going to talk a little Bulls here in a few minutes as well. Anything else that's on your guys' mind too, it's it's your show. When I said we, I meant uh, I'm Arthur Arkish. He is Hub Arkish and uh, it is our pleasure to be with you. Uh, and it is our pleasure now to be joined on the phone line by uh, Joey from DeKalb. Hey, Arthur and Hub. I uh, just wanted to reach out to see what your guys' thoughts were on Devin Hester this year being uh, his first year eligible as a first ballot Hall of Famer. Thanks. 
All right. Thank you, Joey. Uh, that is exciting, man. It's like time just flies. I thought that was only with my kids, but here we are. And I can't believe Devin Hester is already eligible for the Hall of Fame. You are, though, in fact, correct. And uh, I'll throw it to Hub first. I'll just say there's no doubt in my mind that he is a for sure lock for the Hall of Fame. I think that there might be a little bit of a traffic jam, obviously not at his position because he's going to be a, a trailblazer when he does eventually get in uh, for special teams and for returners. But uh, I just think the overall uh, the overall robust number of candidates and, and really worthy candidates hub uh, may push Devin uh, out of the first year of eligibility. I'm not sure, though. I'd have to study that a little bit more. Yeah, Arthur, I've got to go a step further. I, I, I think he will be in the Hall of Fame I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. He's not a lock uh, for the reasons that you just mentioned. There are no special teamers in the Hall of Fame. There are only, I believe, three place kickers. Uh, Ray Guy got in, so there's a punter. Uh, But there's never been a a guy elected as a coverage guy. There's never been a guy elected as a returner. Uh, I think Devin Hester has to be in the Hall of Fame because he it's like Tom Brady. He, he is the goat of special teamers. I mean, uh, you know, he is clearly the best return guy in the history of the game. Um, and, and I think that if the Hall of Fame, that's what it's for, you have to recognize him. Right. But the fact that that position doesn't exist in the Hall of Fame right now is going to create conversation and debate amongst the voters, you know. And, and so first ballot, no, I'd, I'd be shocked if he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. Making it in over the next three, four, five years, I think he will, but I, I wish I could say it was a lock. I'm just not sure it is. Be, I, look how long it took Ray Guy to get in. I, I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's really, really hard if, you do not, if you're not a 60-minute guy at one of those, uh, you know, one of those 22 positions. It's a great point. I, I kind of, yeah, I think lock is a little bit strong of a word um, just because it is going to be, again, such a trailblazing thing. If and when it does happen, I think one of the uh, things that you have to ask yourself if you're on the committee is how has this player uh, changed his position? And, and with Devin Hester, he's changed the game. I mean, the kickoff will never be the same again. And we can attribute a lot of that uh, to Devin Hester. Obviously, there have been rule changes as well, but uh, just teams' refusal even prior to that. Uh, to, to take a chance uh, on one kick changing the game the way Devin used to do so frequently. Um, so I think that has to be a part of the discussion as well. Hub, I wonder, uh, Steve Tasker, is there any thought that someone like that needs to get in before Devin? Because obviously he's another uh, best of the best when it comes to the third phase, and, and he's been waiting a long time. Yeah, Steve is a guy that I've known for a long time. We've done sideline work together uh <laughs> And uh, I, I think absolutely belongs in the Hall of Fame. I mean, mm-hmm. when, when you, you know, the, the measuring stick that I've always heard is, is that if you were the best at your position for a decade or over the course of a decade, that is maybe the number one Hall of Fame credential. Steve Tasker created the 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 the, the gunner, the, the you know the the coverage guy. Um, position and notoriety amongst special teamers and was absolutely the best throughout the 90s uh, on a team that went to four straight Super Bowls, you know, and and had an impact on the game. I think the problem with it is that you're talking about so few plays per game. You know, I mean, if there's, um, you know, let's say there's three or four kickoffs and maybe five punts. So you're talking about less than 10 plays a game. That's number one. Number two, 
as great as Tasker was, and he's the best I've ever seen, it doesn't have the same impact on the game being a coverage guy as returner does. And that's why there's no doubt in my mind that Hester has to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, Devin Hester won games by himself for the Chicago Bears. And, and, and I don't know that a coverage guy can really do that. You know, it's funny because you just reminded me when we were visiting with Pat Finley, talking about Bears free agents and, and Cordero Patterson. I'd make the argument that Patterson has been one of their MVPs the last two seasons. And I think it's going to be a huge loss if they can't bring him back. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. You know, uh, so I, I just think that returners have a much better impact, uh, uh, much bigger impact, not better, uh, on the game than coverage guys do. And as hard as it is for that returner to get in, I don't know if a gunner or a coverage guy is going to make it in, in my lifetime anyway. Do you think there's any cross-sport carryover hub, the way uh, closers, uh, the perception of closers in Cooperstown has, uh, I think, very slowly, of course, but seems to be coming around now? You just, I just think about it because you mentioned, uh, you know, the number of snaps a, a football player uh, a specialist plays and, you know, you kind of compare that to a closer just coming in and, and needing to get three outs. Do you think that might ever weigh into the conversation at all? I think there is some carryover. It's different because it's such a different game and a closer mm-hmm. does win games, you know, 30, yeah. 40 a year, as opposed to it's hard. To, and that's out of 162 as opposed to 16, obviously. Uh, but it's hard to say that a return guy wins two, three games a year. Right. But where I think the real crossover is, you may not have been going here, but it is interesting. Some of the great relievers in history are, are the setup men. You, you, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 that last step to get to the closer. And, and they and you'll never see one of them because people just don't recognize that. You know, but 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 it is an art in the in, in Major League Baseball these days. And, and, you know, these are guys who toil in obscurity and yet are critical to the success of winning baseball teams. Just to piggyback off what you said, it's the meatball fan in me coming out again. But wouldn't it be cool to see Cordero not only stick around uh, on this next contract, but find a way to just be, a, a you know, to finish his career with the Bears? I believe still, I'll have to double check on this, but I think it still goes Sayers, Hester, Patterson all time on the kick return average. I'll have to check on that, but that would just seem to be a kind of an extra little cool feather in the cap for the Bears tradition, I think. I'm pretty, I know we got a break. I'm pretty sure CP is ahead of Hester. I, I think Cordero Patterson uh, trails only Gail Sayers uh, for, for career kickoff return average. He doesn't Amazing. have the touchdowns that, that, that Devin has, uh, right. but I think CP may be right be behind Sayers. All right, well, let's go ahead and take that break on 670 The Score. We'll be back in just a few minutes with Rick Camp to talk Bulls and the NBA All-Star Game. Thanks for being with us. We'll be back in a few. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.